Well, good morning to all of my Facebook Live friends. It is wonderful to be with you today. It's wonderful to be warm today. Uh, here in Tyler, Texas, we have experienced, like most of the country and certainly all of Texas, uh, a very, very um, uh, dangerous, really, uh, cold uh, front, uh, I guess you could call it that. Uh, I think it's Winter Storm Uri, who is about to give way to Winter Storm Viola. And between the two of them, we are having about a good solid week of just freezing cold temperatures. I know all of my northern friends, you, you're thinking, wah, 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 Bill, whatever. But for us Texans, it's a bit on the nippy side. In fact, this morning here in Tyler, uh, about an hour drive on I-20 east of Dallas, right about between Dallas and Shreveport, um, it is, um, we set a record low for all time this morning. It was cold. In fact, the uh, temperature, official temperature from what I understand, was um, minus six degrees. That is cold. Burr. It is so cold. And so I've got my blanket, my Dallas Cowboy blanket. It's, I don't know what they call that, a Snuggie or something like that. But since I'm a guy, I call it a Cowboy's blanket with um, places for your arms to go in. <clears throat> and uh, we do have power. We're not miserable at all. Uh, we've been one of the few blessed ones that have not seen our power go off, either accidentally or as part of a planned uh, shutoff of uh, um, a certain period of time, less than an hour, to uh, keep the grid from uh, overloading. And uh, so, so far, so good for us. We anticipate that it'll be our turn sometime. Or we're hoping that maybe uh, maybe things will be in good shape and we won't have to experience that. But we're ready. We have blankets. We have um, uh, candles. We have flashlights. Uh, we have each other. Uh, we have a cat who is too tiny to keep us warm, but we required are required to keep her warm. And uh, so, but we'll be all right. And I hope that you are. Uh, I have a dear dear friends from our North Carolina days, Joe and Joni Howell. And uh, Joni was telling me one time she was riding in the car with the grandkids and somewhere in the back there came a voice that said, old people are cold people. <laughs> Guilty. Yep, right there. I'm right there with her on that one. Uh, so for all of my fellow old slash cold people, I hope that you find a way to stay warm and I hope that uh, God will bless us. We have a not as bad of cold weather coming uh, but it's going to be really cold. I think it's going to be 12 or so forecast for the low on Thursday morning. But starting tonight and uh, apparently all day tomorrow, we're going to get that wintry mix kind of thing that's sleet and snow and ice. And we're uh, in the middle about of several days of um, sub-freezing temperatures. So for everyone out there, please be safe. Please be smart. Hasn't been much traffic on our street. Uh, we haven't gone anywhere, and it's um, uh, hopefully um, everyone will be will be safe. It's good to see some folks signing in. Uh, my dear friend and sister Barbara, <laughs> nice to see you, Barbara Kasky. My cousin Gail and Keith, great to see you guys. Uh, love keeping in touch with you. Um, Lenny and Joe uh, just mean everything to us in Arlington, and they're with us. 
Uh, Pat is a recent friend in addition to uh, Facebook family, and so welcome, Pat. Uh, and others will join us, I know, as well. Some may join us now, some may join us later on the replay. Uh, probably a lot more uh, watch this than I hear from, and that's A-OK -okay with me. I'm fine with that. Um, do want to tell you that because of the weather, if you're a part of our West Irwin Church family or here in the Tyler Smith County area of Texas, uh, we have already canceled our uh, Bible classes, our midweek Bible classes for Wednesday night because we know that the weather is just going to be very, very bad tomorrow. And travel even today is, uh, is, is bad, yesterday even worse. And so we are, um, unfortunately, we're going to plan B or C or D or G or whatever it's on. And uh, I will do a Facebook class tomorrow evening. I'll do it live right here on my Facebook page at 6 p.m. We'll um, uh, put it over on our West Irwin Church of Christ Facebook pages from there after I'm done, just like we do on these Tuesday, Thursday studies. Uh, but uh, uh, tomorrow night, I'll share a one-shot lesson on the book of Micah. Uh, we've been studying the book of Isaiah uh, this year on uh, Wednesday nights. And um, so I, Micah is a contemporary of Isaiah from the 8th century BC, the 700s BCE, during the time when the northern kingdom of Israel was taken off into exile by the Assyrians in the southern kingdom of Judah, threatened by the Assyrians, but saved through the preaching of people like Isaiah and Micah. And so that's a great, uh, great blessing for me to be able to share that lesson. This will be a one-shot lesson, like I said, tomorrow evening. If you want to join in, that'd be great. Uh, Micah is that great prophet who uh, said three things the Lord requires of you, uh, to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Uh, Micah 6, verse 8. That'll be one of the passages that we look at, of course, emphasize that great statement of what the Lord requires of us in the 8th century BC and every bit as much in the days of Jesus in the 1st century. And now even in 21st century America, that is exactly what the Lord requires of us. So I hope that you'll take part, join in on that study tomorrow evening. Stay home, stay warm, stay safe, uh, and still be involved in some Bible study. We'll do a one-shot lesson on the book of Micah tomorrow evening, Wednesday night, on my Facebook page at 6 p.m., and then it'll be on there, posted after that, and shared to our West Irwin Church of Christ Facebook pages uh, after I'm done. Uh, but for now, we're in Colossians, and uh, this is a great, great chapter. Colossians 3 is a powerful chapter, wonderful chapter. So we've got a few more joining in with us. Nice to see Larry and Lynn Murphy joining in. Hope you guys are safe and warm. Uh, have blankets and power and uh, uh, electricity and water and all of those necessary things. So uh, let's get to it. Uh, we're going to do two lessons this week, Tuesday and Thursday, on this passage in Colossians 3 because it is such a great passage. But before we get to it, I want us to introduce it because it is uh, such an, an important thing. And we'll look at it a couple times today, but then we'll also um, look at some background and some some comments that tell us a little bit about what this means, because this is the passage in Colossians 3 that tells us, similar to Micah 6, verse 8, what the Lord requires of us. Uh, and so we'll start and end with the reading of Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. 
when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. That's the passage we're going to look at this week. What a powerful, wonderful passage. You know, you've quoted that verse. You've talked about that verse. Set your minds and hearts on things above. Well, that's the passage that we're looking at this week from Colossians 3. We'll talk about it some, talk a little bit about some issues that are related to that in our culture today. Uh, and that's what our discussion will be about today, this hour. But then on Thursday, we'll look more uh, directly at those verses and uh, we'll talk about some of the things that we gain from uh, setting our minds and our hearts on things above and specifically what that looks like, what that means. Um, one of the important things that people are searching for today is authenticity. Have you heard that word before? <laughs> being authentic, being uh, genuine, being sincere. Today, if you're not uh, perceived as being authentic in your faith, if your church is not perceived as being authentic and genuine in your following and, and being obedient to Jesus Christ and to the scripture, for many in our culture today, it doesn't matter how right you might be in your understanding of God's word. If it's not coming through in your life, they don't want it. They're not interested. And uh, I, I can't completely blame them on that. Jesus talked many times about knowing a, 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 uh, a, the type of, of plant it is by the fruit uh, that it bears. So I, I think a tree is known by its fruit. And in the same way, a, a church or a Christian, we are known by our fruits. And unfortunately, too many times our fruit has not been consistent with the fruit of the spirit that Paul talks about in Galatians chapter 5. And that Jesus talked about throughout his teaching and his life and ministry. So I again, that's that's something that is a non-negotiable for many in our culture today, and especially those who are um, young to middle-aged adults. I hate to think of adults who are in their early 40s as being middle-aged, but uh, 40 and under for sure, probably uh, 50 and under, uh, is as the years go by are very much uh, going to reject any kind of faith that doesn't show itself in uh, its consistency of life. They're looking for people who have a spirituality that is authentic and true. That's what they want. Um, they want to know whether or not what you say is important, is consistent with what is seen in your life. It's one thing to say this is what we believe the Bible teaches, that this is significant, that this is what God calls us to do. It's another thing for them to see it in our lives. They want to know if your identity as a Christian is more than just words. And I think that's a fair uh, expectation. Um, I like this story. Uh, it was from about 10 years ago in Harper's Magazine. It was about a man uh, based on a true story, this says, according to court records filed in Pennsylvania, a 44-year-old man petitioned the court to have his name legally changed to Boomer the Dog. <laughs> I know. In his petition, uh, this man stated, I've been known as Boomer the Dog by friends in the community for more than 20 years. I want to bring my legal name in line with that. So this was his nickname, I guess we could say. This is what everybody knew him as. So he was going to make it legal and be called Boomer the Dog. Can you imagine on his driver's license, uh, everything, his social security card, that was what he wanted. Um, 
Well, the judge denied his request. <laughs> Not surprised, are you? Uh, arguing that it would cause too much confusion. The judge's decision included the following example. Petitioner witnesses a serious automobile accident and calls 911. The dispatcher asks as to the caller's identity, and the caller responds, this is Boomer the dog. Well, the judge said it is not a stretch to imagine the telephone dispatcher concluding that the call is a prank and refusing, therefore, to send an emergency medical response. I am denying the petitioner's request. So no, 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 no officially being called, named Boomer the dog. His friends could still call him that, of course. The judge concluded his memorandum by observing this. Although the petitioner apparently wishes it were otherwise, <clears throat> the simple fact remains that he is not a dog. Well, as we look around in our society and in our culture today, we, we're really facing that a lot. Uh, people identifying as something other than what they are. We see it especially in trans uh, gender issues where uh, someone who is a biological male identifies as a female and then expects to be able to um, compete against biological females or to use women's restrooms or other things that our society is really struggling with right now. And, and we, want, we want everyone to be safe and we want people to be able to acknowledge their identity and who they are. I, I am, my, <laughs> my genogram, when you look at, at my background and, and uh, my uh, history, uh, it is filled with people who were alcoholics and, and divorcees. I mean, there were a lot of alcoholics, a lot of d divorces in my family history. I could pretend that's not true. I could try to never talk about it or never acknowledge it, but it wouldn't make it any less true. And I think that's what this man wanted. He wanted his name to be legally changed. And I guess you can legally do that. But as the judge says, uh, Mr. Matthews, you are not a dog. In spite of what you want your name to indicate, it's it's not true. And so the judge denied his request. Well, people today are looking to see if our spirituality is true, if it is consistent with our religion, and if our religion is consistent with our lives. We've talked a little bit in this series about spirituality and religion. A lot of people today are interested in the spiritual. They are, they're okay with the spiritual, but they're less trusting and interested in religion. Those of us who are part of religious groups are partly to blame for that because we have been inconsistent in our lives. And we have been more about pressing uh, laws and commands, which may be exactly right, but less inclined to actually be obedient to them ourselves. And we have been called upon, as Micah said, to not just act justly as far as being obedient to specific commands, but to also love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. Well, we, we've kind of missed on some of those, and that's okay. But we've been very um, hesitant to acknowledge those misses. I think when we've done that, we've damaged not only our own personal credibility, but the credibility of, of Christ's church. And that's... Um, that is that is a bad bad thing. So we're we're talking today still in the book of Colossians about this concept and idea of being spiritual and 
religious. It's not a question of which one. Should we be religious and follow the commands like the Pharisees did, or should we be spiritual and just uh, look for that emotional connection with our uh, creator? Well, both of those are commanded in scripture. <laughs> Neither one of those is optional if we're going to be faithful to God. So being faithful includes being spiritual and being religious. How exactly do we do that? How exactly do we pull that off? Well, that's the subject of the book of Colossians overall, but it's specifically the subject of chapters three and four, because in chapters one and two, we have seen a lot of background. This background that talks about how Jesus is the center of our faith, how he is the supreme, the supreme one. He has the supremacy. He has the preeminence. Uh, he is filled with uh, deity. All of the things that make God, God were included in Jesus Christ. All uh, the fullness of deity lived in Jesus, Colossians 1 says, in bodily form. And not just that, uh, but Colossians 1 says that he is the head of the church, his body, and as head, he is the savior of that body, that God overcame all of our sins and destroyed the one who has the power of sin through the cross and through Jesus' death on the cross. And then as we saw in the last week or two in chapter two, it calls on us to have a response of faith. Our story, our meta-narrative, remember that horrible long word? I probably should not say that anymore. Um, but our story of when we responded in faith to this wonderful good news that Jesus came and lived and died for us. And in Colossians chapter two, he tells us how that is. We receive Jesus Christ by faith, Colossians two, uh, verse six. And in doing so, we want to be rooted and grounded and strengthened in him uh, and in his will, in his word, Colossians two says. And skipping on down, it gives us a little bit of more information about what that means. In verses 11 and 12 and 13 and 14, it talks about how we died to sin, just as Romans 6 says, and we're buried with Christ through baptism uh, into death, and then we're raised to live a new life. Uh, Colossians 2 shares that passage as well, very similar to what Paul says in Romans 6. But the focus on that is not, it's not telling us how we receive God by faith, although it does that, but the purpose is, is to point us back to that time in our lives when we named the name of Christ and accepted his salvation and had his blood wash away all of our sins as we were baptized into Christ and then raised out of that baptistry to live a new life. In fact, that's what he says with the beginning words of chapter three, since then you have been raised with Christ. What does that mean? Well, he's pointing back to chapter two in those verses, starting in verse 11, that talk about our baptism, how we're uh, buried with Christ and then we're raised to live a new life. So chapter three and four are going to talk about what that new life looks like. And the beginning words, as we see, are calling us to set our minds and our hearts, our mission and our purpose on things above, on the heavenly things, on the eternal things, not on the things of this world. We must not be content with a religion that is void of any spirituality. 
Again, we don't choose religion over spirituality any more than we choose being spiritual over being religious. Nor is it acceptable to settle for a spirituality that has no basis in Christ or in his word. That is, that is too subjective. We become slaves to whatever our sinful desire wants to be and whatever our cultural situation calls for, um, rather than the eternal, inspired, and authoritative word of God. This is necessary in our own faith, and it is absolutely essential if we're going to reach the people around us. Believe me, they can find one or the other everywhere. Those who are overly spiritual but are not grounded in anything, those who are overly religious but don't seem to have a real, true, genuine relationship with Christ that's seen in their lives, that can be found anywhere. What is rare is that individual, that disciple, that Christian, that church that claims both, that calls on themselves and requires each other, holds each other accountable to being obedient to the word and will of God, but at the same time are also helping each other and helping others to find that close and fulfilling emotional connection, that relationship uh, with their Savior, Jesus Christ. It is absolutely essential for us to have that if we're going to reach the people of our community because that's what they want today and they're not going to settle for anything less, I believe. Our church must proclaim and practice religious beliefs, worship and conduct that are based in Scripture, Absolutely true. And and what is more, I don't think people in our community, in our world, in our circles, our friends, our family members, I don't think they're threatened by that. We, we may think they are, and we may try to run away from having commands and looking at Scripture as authoritative, but I don't think that's what they're worried about. I don't think that's what turns them off. What turns them off is when we don't live that. What turns them off is when we don't have that spiritual experience and relationship that comes from being a child of God, when they don't see that in our lives, a relationship with the Father made possible by the sacrifice of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, and therefore living in step with the Spirit. So I think what Paul is saying is that we're left with three options, uh, and we have to choose one of the three. Number one is we have a spirituality that's based on self-achievement and a legalistic religion. In other words, we're all about the commands, we're all about the, the religion, and we're all about our obedience to them. And it's almost as if we don't need Jesus at all because we're doing just fine on our own. Thank you very much. Uh, we, we try to take pride in our own obedience, in our own response. Um, but in our, in our more wise moments, we realize that's not enough because we are aware of the times when we are obedient and we seek to do that, of course, but we're also very much aware those times when we failed and failing to obey God's word is called sin. And one sin separates us from our holy and righteous and perfect God, according to Isaiah 59, according to Romans 1 through 3. So we realize that we we can't deny our sin. First John 1 says that as well. If anyone says that they don't have any sins, they're lying. And the truth isn't in them. Spirituality based on self-achievement and a legalistic religion, that's, that's one alternative. We can choose that. It won't work, but we can choose it. The second alternative, the second option is, is just as uh, problematic. And that is we have a spirituality that's based on any religion or no religion at all. 
but a spirituality that answers only to our own selfish feelings and desires. That's that's not acceptable either. That's an, that's the option that says, hey, I'm just going to go with the flow. I'm just going to go with whatever is popular in our culture. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. I'm going to do whatever makes me happy. And unfortunately, as you know, there are many in our day today that choose that option. And it sounds sounds good because it makes us happy at the moment. But we realize that like those that Jesus talked about in the parable of the sower and the soils, that uh, when the the, uh, farmer threw the seed out among the uh, rocky places, it grew up fast, but it had no root. And Colossians 2 verse 6 tells us that if we're going to receive Jesus Christ, then we need to continue to be rooted and strengthened in him and in his will. The problem with not having any root and not having any foundation, just accepting whatever comes with the flow, is that when difficult times come along, and they will, then there's no lasting power. That kind of spirituality is is unacceptable as well. And so the third option is the one we need. That's the one that says has a spirituality and religion, both based on Christ and what Christ has done as communicated in his inspired word, our Bible. I I think anything else is too subjective, or if we're just relying on our own obedience, then it um, it, it won't work. It won't work because of our sins. So if we have that spiritual connection with the one who died for us and has given everything for us and called on us to love him with gratitude and with obedience, if that's what we have, then we're going somewhere. Not because of our own lives, our own faithfulness, our own obedience, but because of the righteousness of God that comes through faith in Jesus Christ, as we're talking about in our series on the book of Romans on Sunday mornings at Western Owen Church of Christ. Do we speak, do we seek to be spiritual at all? <laughs> well, if so, which I think we should, if so, are we genuinely living our faith? Is the desire to be spiritual more than just a feeling or an experience? Does our spirituality demonstrate itself in how we live our lives? Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 7, Look, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. That that matters. It, it truly does. Uh, Jesus in John chapter 8 uh, says that if you hold to my teaching, then you're really my disciples. Then you'll know the truth, and then the truth will set you free. We want to just fast forward to that free part. Be free to live however we want. Or we want to trust completely in that obedience that is imperfect at best. Jesus says, look, you you trust in me. You give your life over to me and you live a life that, yeah, may be imperfect, but you will be on the right path. And being on the right path makes all the difference because we trust in Jesus. We seek to know his will, but we also seek to do it and to let others see that will lived out in our lives. And yeah, we acknowledge to them freely, humbly, that we too are sinners. And I think that helps. I think that helps. And they see that authenticity, remember that word, shining through. 
Uh, and so what drives our spirituality is our spirituality based on something. Colossians says it has to be. It has to be based on the things above, the eternal things, things of God and his word. Uh, one person has said relativism is the claim that all truth is relative except for the claim that all truth is relative. <laughs> That's the problem with that is that there's, there's no stopping it. There's no end to it. What we do is we believe that the Bible is the inspired and authoritative word. We believe that our understanding of it and our interpretation of it is not inspired and authoritative, but it's all we have to go on. And so we pray and we study and we very humbly seek to obey and seek to share that word and will of God with others. And that's what we're trying to do in this series. That's what we try to do at our West Irwin Church of Christ. And granted, we do that imperfectly. But that's the, that's the goal. That's the path that we're on. And I hope that's the path that you're on too. That path that is uh, committed to being spiritual and having a close relationship, personal relationship with Jesus Christ that is seen in, in a life faithfully lived. Because we recognize that in order to be spiritual, we also have to be religious. Jesus said that part matters too. In fact, the other part can't happen without that word and will of God and our desire to try to understand it. Uh, next week, we'll start out right here talking about this idea and we'll give the illustration of the pinball machine. Anybody remember those? I do, I do. Uh, and it's interesting how we'll make an allusion to that pinball machine that Milton Jones does in his wonderful little book on Colossians, No More, Jesus Christ, No More, No Less. Because I do think that that describes our culture in a very apt way. So if you don't know what a pinball machine is, then Google it before Thursday afternoon at 3 p.m. And I look forward to seeing you then. One last word before we close today, a reminder again that I will be having a Facebook Live study at, right here on my Facebook page Wednesday night, tomorrow night at 6 p.m. Um, and, uh, and finally, that'll be on the book of Micah. And finally, again, reading these words from Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. I pray that you'll stay safe and warm and dry this week, and that you'll stay close to the one who died for you. God bless.